How? What does that mean? I was just told, no, go do something. <laughs> I, I don't get how any kids can be bored. And I don't mean like, well, look at all the cool things kids have these days in my day. I just mean <laughs> I like, like that voice. <laughs> yeah, it's my old man voice. Given everything in the world, why doesn't everyone just uh, think so much until they have a panic attack? <laughs> how could he possibly be bored when you oh have my goodness. so many anxiety-inducing things in the world? I, can, I've, I can't be bored. I just uh, think myself into madness. <laughs> oh, yeah. That seems very healthy. <laughs> Not bored, though. Not bored. No. Um, no, I just had a big imagination. Yeah, me too. And that's uh, a detriment. No, I just didn't ever get to the point where I gave myself a panic attack. Well, that's that's what my imagination does. You just the think panic. of all the terrible, terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Both real and imagined. Mm. And uh, then you can't function anymore. Mm. And it, oddly enough, uh, most ironically, it kind of has the same effect of being bored because then you get uh, scared into stillness and inactivity. Yes. A vicious cycle. I didn't get the panic attacks until I had the weight of adulthood. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, forced productivity. Mm-hmm. Nothing like forced productivity to scare you into, like paralyzing inability to work <laughs> you sound more like me every day yeah well and since uh, somebody who is bright and cheery is being brought <laughs> down by crippling anxiety that means welcome everybody to another episode of i love this you should too and we are proud members of the alberta podcast network which is locally grown and community supported my name is Indie crippling anxiety Randawa, and with me is my lovely and talented, scared into whatever the opposite of productivity is, Samantha Hees. Hello, Randawa. Samantha Randawa. <laughs> I'm still still getting used to it. Yeah, me too. Samantha Randawa does sound great, but I have so game. much practice of saying Samantha Hees. Yeah. And they just kind of become one word. It was like 155 episodes of being... Samantha Hees. Yeah. And uh, your old nickname, Ham and Cheese, Samantha Hees. No. It no longer works. No. That's what they everyone called you. Nobody Samantha Hees, Ham and Cheese. Nobody called me that. Samantha Cheese. No. <laughs> well, Sam, what are we here for today? Podcasting. Uh, yep, that's true. I thought uh, I would give you the opportunity to tell what this episode is. Like, you know, one of those like 10 second little recaps we right. do about what people can expect in case this is their first episode. Sorry, was that But too- yes, we will do podcasting. That's true. Was that too general? A little bit. Okay, I'll, I'll niche it down a little bit. Uh, we are here in one of our pre-episodes to find out what both Indy and I have been watching or listening to this week. And uh, then we'll find out at the end of the episode what Indy is going to have me watch for next week's full-length episode. Yeah, so no spoilers today, but next week, that'll be the big deep dive. Well, before we get into it, let's thank one of our sponsors. And with Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Overdue Finds. Ah. 
And I always like to talk about Overdue Finds because that is the podcast from the Edmonton Public Library. And in it, hosts Bryce Crittenden and Caroline Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news around Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at the Edmonton Public Library and how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. And I'm kind of a part of that Overdue Finds family a little bit, so I have to give a shout out to myself because poor struggling artists like us have to do some self-promotion. <laughs> yes. So you could always check out episode 42 called Oh the Horror, where I talk about some of my favorite horror movies with the hosts. On episode 98, I guest starred as well, and we talked about It's a Wonderful Life. And more recently... On episode 109, we did a full deep dive into Kids in the Hall. Ah, yes. So if you are a big fan like I do, you might want to check that one out. <laughs> and if you want to listen to any of those or find out more about Overdue Finds, you can head over to epl.ca slash podcast or just look up Overdue Finds with a D wherever you are listening to us right now. Okay, well, Indy, because it is your week to bring us a movie, what have you been into? What's your thing of the week? My thing of the week is the television show called Old Enough! Oh my Exclamation God. mark. Yes, I love this one. So you've been watching this a bit with me yes. as well, and you were also a fan? Uh, yeah, if you're having crippling anxiety and this you just need like a minute of joy in your life, um, Old Enough is both like heartbreaking and so joyful and full of hope. Yeah, so what this show is, it's a Japanese show. It's called Hajimete no Atsuke. Or My First Errand is how it directly translates. But if you are watching it on Netflix, like a lot of people are, it is old enough. And it is a very simple premise, but somehow the most engrossing thing you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. Because what it is, is children, some of them as young as two years old, just run household errands without their parents for the first time. Which is wild. And then a camera crew follows along and every episode is like 10 to 15 minutes in the format we get. So they're really easy to watch. And the children are asked to do seemingly simple things. Simple yeah. things for us. Like uh, go to the grocery store, come back with like three items, or make some juice for the family. Something like that, yeah. which doesn't seem too crazy but when you see the age and the size of these children, it seems downright Herculean. Yeah, from like two and a half to like five. Yeah. And they're so little. So little. So this show has been actually airing for about 30 years in Japan. And we get one season of it here. Maybe it's one or two seasons, but it's kind of uh, edited into one season for Netflix and each episode is like 15-ish minutes mm -hmm. so really easy to watch. So as an example one episode features a boy named Hiroki and he is two years and nine months old. Which is wild. I work with children of this age quite a bit and it is astounding shocking amazing what some of these kids are doing yeah. because uh yeah, the, the kids I'm working with seem a far cry from this, but there's a lot of cultural things 
we here in Canada and most of uh, North America, we don't have young kids going out on their own. No. Even when I was uh, seven years old, I would walk to school by myself. Now that is not very common at all. No, I think that would be time for someone to call like social services or something because it would be like child abuse to make your child do something like that by themselves and if you're from a different part of the world that's not a joke at all there have been cases where kids are playing in a playground by themselves and people call social services and they are successful in getting these children removed from their parents because they are letting them play outside alone which is something that i just grew up doing and it was fine i used to ride my bike to the park all the time and I grew up through like the golden age of child abduction, really, statistically. <laughs> really, we both did, yeah. yeah. And uh, but people anyways. have this is I just know this because I used to do early learning. People have successfully had children taken away for playing in the backyard by themselves. Yes, there was a, a case in the last two years where children were playing on the property, but in the front yard away from child supervision, and they were taken away from that family, which, which is... seems preposterous to me, but. I, I I wonder if there's a lot of things you say like, oh, in my day, and a lot of people are like, yeah, things are better now. Get over it. Exactly. And that is the case a lot. But I feel like in this one, I feel like we're right. Us old people yeah. who are like, well, in my day, you could just play by yourself and it was fine. You like learned autonomy and you got to do things and make decisions by yourself with some like gentle guidelines. And I think we're kind of getting a little off topic, but to bring it back, I did search old enough uh, on Google just right now to like find some stats and stuff to put up. And most of the articles were, uh, there was a lot of articles condemning what the show is about. (laughs) And I just wouldn't even look at them because don't bring me down, man. This show is fucking beautiful. I love it. It's great. It's a wonderful show. Let's talk more about it. Okay. So this boy is two years and nine months old. And his task is that he's going to go to the supermarket, buy two things, and some flowers for his grandmother's um, altar, which rather than a grave, a lot of places in the world have little altars for people who have passed away. Yes. And he's the cutest thing ever. He carries like this backpack and he has like a a flag on a rod. So he's like more visible for Uh crossing the street and stuff. And he's learned how to cross the street by like holding out his hand and crossing. And he's just so, so, so careful. And it's just this amazing journey to go on with this small child as he does something as simple as going to a grocery store and buying flowers. Yeah. That's it. But it has both the stillness and uh, ease of something that we are familiar with. Mm -hmm. But for him, it is such an amazing task. So we get this whole like adventure side to, to this as well. And on his way there, he gets distracted by sticks. Like, there's some sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, I want to pick up a stick. I'm a two-year-old kid. And he picks up a stick and is, like, waving it around for a bit. Because, of course, he is. He's a child. And he goes and buys things at the grocery store. And then he's on his way home. And he realizes he forgot the curry, which is one of the three things he was supposed to buy. And, of course, he doesn't have a list because he can't read. Yeah. So he just has to memorize these things. And when he realizes it, you think, is he going to cry? Is he just going to be like, oh, too late now? Because me, myself, if I forget something at the grocery store and I'm on my way home, it's too late. Yeah. I'm not going back there. Are you kidding me? But this boy who is just having the hardest time with this task because it's a long walk. It's like a two-kilometer walk. And when you're two years old, that's huge. 
he goes back and that act is seems like olympic levels of resilience when you're Mm -hmm. watching this show it seems like he is doing something more impressive than i don't know what did frodo take a ring and then throw it into a pit is that essentially what those nine hours of movie were about he's like walking in jewelry yeah this (laughs) got me more than lord of the rings for instance and I guess like for um, like a casual sports fan, for some people, they really dissect sports. Okay. But for your casual sports fan, the best thing you get from watching sports is when you get caught up in the emotions. Mm-hmm. If you see somebody score and you get up and cheer, yeah. that's like best case scenario. Yeah. If you see a loss and you feel what they are feeling, you feel this disappointment, that is the best case scenario of being a casual sports fan. And I think... I get those things here. Yeah. I feel for these kids. I celebrate their successes. Their failures physically hurt when you see them. Yeah. So there's like another episode where a boy just has to make juice. He lives on kind of a, a farm and he has to go for a walk like up the hill to the main house and make juice and bring it down to the people who are working in the farm. Oh. And he goes up there. But then he realizes he's home alone for like the first time ever. So he just starts playing because he has the house to right. himself. And Nobody he's not watching making him. the juice. So then his mom calls to the house and says like, hey, are you making the juice? It's been a long time. And he just lies. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I made it. I'm on my way down. And then he goes and plays some more. And then he's like, oh, no, I better go make the juice. And he's like rushing and trying to make the juice and then bring it back down. So sometimes they are like... That's not exactly mischievous, but, but he's not like they're on kids. Task. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to see that side of it too. It's not just everyone being perfect. There was that one episode we watched where the boy is uh, walking and then he sees a vending machine on the street. <laughs> yeah. And of course he stops and buys like his favorite snack, which was like some sort of drink. Yeah. And like he a buys a couple of them. But then he has too many things. He's so small that he can't carry all of this. Yeah. So he's like really struggling and just taking everything one foot at a time because he loaded himself yeah. down with snacks. And if that's not a perfect metaphor for so many things in my life <laughs> yeah. or in anyone's life where you're on your way and you're like, oh, but I would really love this. And then that thing you would really love really weighs you down yeah. and stops like you from too, doing it's the that things. that one too many things. Yeah. Or there was that episode where I think it's two brothers go and one wants to stop and eat candy and the other one's like, no, no, we have to do our job and they're bringing them along. Yeah. Or they also, I think it was those two brothers who they go and get some treats in part of their errands and rather than bring everything home, they kind of rationalize it to themselves like how can we just eat all these treats right now (laughs) and they stop and they say like well you know what if we ate all the candy right now there'd be less to carry and the other guy's like you know what you're right let's do this (laughs) so they eat all the candy and then they go do the rest of the journey oh yeah now we have the power to do this yeah which is hilarious how you see these kids rationalizing the things to themselves or there's that one girl who just took a few steps out and cried and cried but she came back and her mom talked to her and she went out and she did it. She cried the whole time. Yeah. But she did it. She was so upset. And that's overcoming more than I ever do. To be crying and then still go and do <laughs> yeah, that stuff. Exactly. It was amazing. I loved this show and it gives you the ups and downs of a dramatic show where you're like 
Game of Thrones was really big before. I personally didn't think the highs and lows in that show were were as great, but a lot of people that get caught up in like, oh, this happened, and now you're down here. Yeah. And you get caught up in that roller coaster. This show does that better than Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I 100% would say that. I think people, of course, will argue with me. But I personally had my own emotions manipulated more on this show than Game of Thrones huh. by far. But this show also does all of this within the safety of this Japanese world where they do mention, like, most of these are in small towns. A few of them are in bigger cities, but most of them are in small towns, and the people on the street know these kids. So they're always going like, oh, are you out on your errand today? Good job. Keep it up. Keep going. And they're, like, encouraging them. So you have this safety net that feels comfortable and, and safe. Right? So you have that. You're not fearing for these children. But on the other hand, there is one where uh, this boy is getting fish for the family. Yeah. And his little cooler container breaks and the fish fall on the ground. (laughs) And I almost cried. We both almost cried watching that. Because this show just... taps into something because it taps into something that we all experienced at one time even if you forget it now but it just taps into something so human and takes you on these highs and lows in a very safe way that you're willing to commit fully yeah there's something it does to you psychologically or at least me that is just perfect that lets me feel like a huge range of emotions in a tv show which i normally don't do because i think you're detached from things that are not real life I think so, yeah. And this is a best case reality show TV to me because on like what, Survivor or The Amazing Race, people are so hungry. People are breaking their ankles. Yeah. I don't care. Fuck this guy in Survivor. Yeah. He's just some dude who's trying to win a million dollars and like show off his abs on an island. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I care about these kids. Little babies. I want them to succeed so, so much. And this show is just capable of, um, you know, pulling that out of people. So Old Enough, which is now on Netflix, and you can watch this big backlog if you find a way to do it. I'm going to look for a way because I need more of this show. I need more of this show, too. It's so easy to consume. I want to rewatch it already. Uh It's brilliant. Go check it out. Yeah. How about you, Sam? What is your thing of the week? So big surprise. I have another book. Um. So I read Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. Um, And Pieces of Her is a thriller novel. Um, It was published in 2018 and has just been adapted into a Netflix series. Of course. Of course. Um, So this was very twisty and turny. And... Unlike other books that I've read, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it did drag a little bit in the middle. Okay. But the outcome, I think, is worth it. There was definitely it was like a 14 hour audiobook, which right. is like long for me. Usually I max out at like six to eight. But um I gave this one a try because I really wanted to watch the Netflix series too. And um so it's kind of it begins with um, like an active shooter in um, a small business kind of coffee shop diner kind of place. And um, this 
young girl, um, Andrea, is kind of telling you what's happening from her point of view. And she's with her mother, Laura. And Laura manages to um, kind of take down the shooter um, in like almost like hand-to-hand combat. Is she a cop or just a hero? She is a breast cancer survivor and um, like stroke therapist. So the way that she does it calls into question her, like who is she basically? Because some of the moves that she did were a little bit more like army or like secret service or something very like. A little born identity Yeah, it was like very advanced and like, a housewife who survived breast cancer and like couldn't lift grocery bags all of a sudden is doing these like really advanced moves and stuff and she tries to claim that it's like like she snapped into like super mom mode and like you know how some of those mothers can like lift, lift cars the car off, off their, children. their children yeah. so she tries to go say. with that and is that actually true that is a saying like oh you know how when you get a lot of adrenaline moms can just lift cars off their children i don't that's actually true it's a thing that we i say at least yeah and it was in this book like more than once i don't know if that's actually true i don't know we'll look into it later but that's what laura claims she's like oh it was adrenaline i was gonna do anything i could to save my daughter and like she's either uh like undercover or she's some sort of manchurian candidate thing that's what i think oh um so i don't want to spoil too much of it because there is kind of a secondary plot And so um, the only thing that Andrea knows is that Laura forces her to move out of her house that night. So she's kind of living in her garage suite and they have like kind of a nice life together and they hang out all the time. And then all of a sudden after this attack, Laura is like, you have to move out tonight. You're not allowed to sleep at the house anymore. And so all of these things change. And then... She goes on this journey, Andrew goes on this journey of finding out slowly who her mother is through flashbacks of this other plot line. So I don't want to give too much of it away because it is like a big twisty weavy web. So you'd say this book is more a mystery than anything else? Um, Yeah, it's like a thriller mystery because there's a lot of like action in it too. And it is from the point of view of that friend who is trying to, like, figure things out about the who the... daughter, Andrea. Oh, the daughter, sure. Yeah, the daughter, Andrea. It's from her point of view. And then there is also a secondary point of view, but I don't want to reveal that because I feel like that'll just give it away. Oh, so two narrators. Two narrators. Um, and you kind of switch between stories. And the my complaint is that the secondary story isn't presenting itself as relevant enough when it starts out that it's like gripping and interesting so it kind of felt in some places like well why are we hearing this like this doesn't really seem to attach to the main plot and so it kind of dragged but then once things started being revealed towards the end of the book which is like a little too late in my opinion because it should have been Closer to the beginning with like a few reveals. Get you hooked, right? Right. So I found myself at the beginning of the book kind of wishing that we'd just go back to uh, Laura and Andrea. So it's kind of one of those ones where at the end you're like, see, look, that all worked. But then you're like, 
But also, why couldn't she show... I would appreciate it more if I yeah. had that information throughout. Yeah, like the last four hours of the book, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Oh, wow, this is actually really interesting now. And then like before that, I was like, okay, but I don't understand why we're listening to this other story. Hmm. Like it felt like a separate book. So I haven't read this one, of course, but I do have issue with a lot of books and they are ones that are mostly about a twisty plot and look at the surprise where they tell you all sorts of stuff and it's only relevant at the end. Mm -hmm. I feel like they are worrying about how clever of a writer they are in uh, assembling this big thing that only yeah. makes sense at the end rather than giving you a good story and good characters. Yeah. You find this kind of gets into that realm a little? A little bit. Like it does seem like what she wanted was a like big bang reveal kind of thing where it's like, oh my God, here you go. Like this is what happened and it was this and this and this all along. And oh my God, you should have seen it from like way back. I think that works better in like a six hour book because you're not listening to hours and hours of audiobook thinking, why am yeah. I listening to this? So I think she needs to put a few more like Easter eggs, reveals kind of thing earlier in the book in order to make it just a little bit more like palatable and make me more willing to like sit through it. That's fair. Because there was a couple days where I just didn't listen to the book because I was like, I'm this nonsense. Still in the middle of this chapter, and I just don't understand why I'm listening to it. Right. Yeah, but I finished it. It paid off in the end. I just wish it would have been spread out a little bit more over the book. But since it is your thing of the week, it gets an overall recommendation. It gets an overall recommendation, and I've watched the first two, I think, episodes. Oh, it's of this already on out. Netflix. Okay. Yeah, it actually ended up coming out the week I got it from the library. The hold i had put it on hold a couple weeks ago mm. and uh yeah so it is um the netflix series is kind of a faster moving version of the book which is great good yeah i think they skipped over a few things that were kind of well done in the book so i'm a little like sad about that but i think overall it moves the story along faster and you kind of get to see all sorts of stuff as they're happening well, we'll look forward to hearing more uh, about the series. But yeah. until then, go check out the book. And what's the name of the author again? Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. All right. Are you sure it's not Slaughter? Nope. Karen's Laughter. <laughs> Karen Slaughter. <laughs> So our second sponsor of the episode is the Alberta Blue Cross. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group health benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and to explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. So, Indy. Yes? It's that time of the episode. Ooh. Can you tell us what we're going to be watching for next week's episode? Yes. Yes, I can. Right now? Well, you know what we've been doing <laughs> recently, and both of us have had kind of themes going. You with your dance movies, me with my 50s sci-fi. Yes. And we're just kind of been living in the 50s. So I'm going to give you a choice like I did once before. Would you like schlocky 50s sci-fi or would you like one of the many, many films where it's directed by Tim Burton, stars Johnny Depp as a delightfully eccentric outsider? I have a question. Yes. 
What's a schlock? Oh, schlocky is like um, <laughs> poorly put together, ham-fisted, uh, not subtle. Dude. Schlocky. Okay. Um, I think they're both the same movie. Well, you know what? Let's just watch a trailer. Sure. Here's the reveal. They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. Plan 9 from outer space. Starring the most frightmarish cast ever, Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampira, and Thor Johnson as the walking dead. Turn off your electro gun! No! No! Stop him, Dennis! I can't get it! It's jammed! Stop him, you fool! Bullets bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ships. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening right now. Mm. Well, what do you think of that? Um, It looks old-timey like the other movie that we watched. But does it look different in any way? Like worse? Yeah, this movie looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Day of the Earth still looks beautiful yeah. and is great. This movie's a piece of garbage. Yeah. What are they? Are they zombies? Are they vampires? Are they aliens? Are they all of the above? I don't know. Why does the ray gun look like that? Yeah. Well, that carpet or that grass was clearly a carpet. Yeah. Why were they wearing so much satin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that is a trailer, of course, from Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space. But I'm not going to make you sit through Plan 9 because it's it's rough. It's not a good movie. It it's quite bad. It seems rough. It's fun, but you have to be in the right mood. Yes. Instead, what we are going to watch is the movie Ed Wood. Oh, directed okay. Directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. Came out in 1994. And I personally think it is the best collaboration of those two. Ooh. I know uh, both Tim Burton and Johnny Depp are very, very popular. I think they peaked in 94. <laughs> I think Edward Scissorhands was very good as well. I like that earlier stuff. I know they got much more popular later. I don't think that stuff's nearly as good. But you know what? That's a conversation for another day. Yes. So I wanted to show you that trailer so you kind of have a context of where we are coming from. Uh -huh. So that is a movie actually directed by the subject of this movie, the, the character that Johnny Depp is going to be playing, uh -oh. Ed Wood, who is often regarded as one of the worst filmmakers of all time. Interesting. But a very interesting story, and I would argue a very good biopic. I haven't seen this movie in many, many years. Years ago, I thought it was uh, the best that those two have ever done. And I want to see if that's still the case. Okay. Well, I'm excited about this one because it seems fun. Maybe. <laughs> Let's watch a trailer for the actual movie, Ed Wood. Okay. Tim Burton, director of Batman, Beetlejuice, and Edward Scissorhands now takes you to a completely different world. The true story of a Hollywood legend, Ed Wood. And action! He made movies like no one else. You want to keep moving. You've got to get through that door. Ah! 
was perfect. Perfect? Do you know anything about film production? Well, I like to think so. He had an eye for talent. I met Bella Lugosi. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. No, he's very much alive. You flying saucer? He had a passion for storytelling. Get me transvestites. I need transvestites. You're flashy. They want that. Okay. But they want professionalism. So Nick Sandinelli without losing naivete. What kind of a movie is this? It's science fiction. A heartbreaking romance. Brave robbers from outer space. Brave robbers from what? And he had a secret he couldn't hide. I like to dress in women's clothing. Panties, sweaters, pumps. It's just something I do. You don't like sex with girls? No, I love sex with girls. Wearing their clothes makes me feel closer to them. How can you act so casual when you're dressed like that? All right, everybody, let's finish this picture. Touchstone Pictures presents Johnny Depp, Martin Landau, Sarah Jessica Parker, Patricia Arquette, and Bill Murray in the true story of an unforgettable filmmaker. We're making another movie. I got the Church of Beverly Hills to put up the cash. How do you get all your friends to get baptized just so you can make a monster movie? And his legacy that will live forever. How do you burn this off? Shake his legs around. Looks like he's killing you. Ah! This is the one. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Ed Wood, a Tim Burton film. Really? Worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. Hello? That seems fun. Yeah, I like this movie, and watching that trailer reminds me of how I think it's the best of what those two, um, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, what mm-hmm. they often do... Because the ones we've done already from Tim Burton were uh, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. We've Mm -hmm. done those movies already. And he has certain preoccupations, especially in his earlier career, of these outsiders that he definitely feels like he is one of. And I love to see this idea of this guy with more enthusiasm than talent. And it's coming from... It's kind of like inside because it is about filmmaking, but as a uh, failed filmmaker myself, I can appreciate (laughs) so much of uh, what they talk about in this and how difficult it is to make a movie. And for better or worse, for whatever Ed Wood makes, he made the movies. He got it done. Mm -hmm. And that is no small feat. And I just uh, love that it's coming from a place of love, of appreciation. And I think Tim Burton definitely sees a lot of himself in Ed Wood, and we'll talk about those parallels, but there's a lot of them uh, when we talk about the movie next week. Mm. But it is a great insight into filmmaking and into, like we were talking about with our other movies that take place in the 50s, this will be the third in a row, about these characters who are outside of this very insular American Mm -hmm. society in this time of isolationism of exceptionalism there are certain things that are depicted as being true American pastimes cultures behaviors Mm. and in each one of these three movies we've seen people coming from outside that and upsetting it and seeing how they interact with that world and that's what I'm most interested in and I think that's what Burton was most interested in and I think that's why this is a really successful movie okay well, I'm excited to watch it. It seems like it's like campy and kind of fun. I think it is. I think um, Tim Burton has a real sense of playfulness with mm-hmm. a lot of his things, but then still giving things their due respect. Yes. 
And I, I think this movie is successful at both of those things. It is in black and white. So if you see it and you're like, why is it black and white? It's supposed to be. Hmm. And I'll argue why I think that is the right choice on the next episode. Okay. But check it out. You can, of course, get it from your public library for the most part. I know Edmonton definitely has it there. And it is streaming on Disney Plus now. Oh, so you can cool. watch a very good version of it. I, there is a DVD out. I'm not sure if a Blu-ray ever came out. There were so many issues with this DVD. I was waiting for it for about three years. I This was back when you'd just go to the store and buy things, of course. Yeah. And that seems like crazy that that's not a thing a lot of people do anymore. But it was released so many times and I kept going to the store to get it. And they'd be like, oh, and it didn't show up. What? And I didn't know why. And then it would get a new date. And I just kept waiting and waiting. There were all sorts of legal issues before it finally did come out eventually. Oh. So it was one that I had a really hard time getting, but was so happy when it did finally arrive. <laughs> and I don't think I've seen it since then. So I'm really excited to revisit it. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will be watching Ed Wood. And we'll be discussing it in next Monday's episode. Yeah. Join us then. Go watch it. Have fun. It's uh, about two hours long, but I feel like it's going to be a nice two hours. Awesome. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.